Well, good morning. How's everybody doing today? Man, that just jacked me up right there. How many remember singing that song like about eight, nine years ago in our church? And there's not many of you, but that was like a theme song of our church, I want to say back in like 2011 and 12 and even to 2016. We just believe God is strong. And he's stronger than anything you're going through this morning. If you feel like something's overpowering you or overwhelming you or surrounding you, God is surrounding whatever is surrounding you and overpowering whatever is overpowering you. And uh, I want you to know that this morning. One thing we want to be because we believe God is this. We believe God is on the move. And we want to be on the move. We don't want to passively be sitting here, letting God do everything, and then letting the culture take over. The culture will take over as much as we let it take over. We've got to be on the move. We have to be people of action. One of the reasons 19 years ago I moved from Ohio to Michigan had nothing to do with football. If it was for football, I would have stayed down there right? I came up here. This is, this is right here. We're both Ohio State fans here. I don't know if you know that. So I came up here because God was moving in Lowell. And there were only just a little remnant of people here when I first came here. The church was about a year old. But I came here because I wanted to go where God was moving. I didn't come to this church because it was a Wesleyan church, and I didn't leave my church because it was a Baptist church. I honestly couldn't care about the denomination. I wanted to go where the fire of God was burning bright. And I believe more and better things are yet to come. But, but the church, if there's lethargy in the church, there's inaction in the church that we believe a lot of things and we feel strongly about a lot of things, but we don't act on those things. That's an impotent church. That's a lukewarm church. And I just believe God is calling us out of a lukewarm faith, a lackadaisical faith, into a faith of power and action. Amen. I don't think you all came to church today because it was obligatory and it was perfunctory. It's something that I have to do. If you did do that, I feel really bad for you because that's religion. We came here because we're in a relationship with Almighty, the living God, and he is a foot and he is a stir and we want to be following after him hard as a congregation. So this, this idea of the power of habits leading with thoughts. Two weeks ago, John uh, speaking so powerfully last week on the power of our words. This week, we culminate it with the power of action. Gandhi said this, your beliefs become your thoughts. Your thoughts become your words. Your words become your actions. Your actions become your habits. Your habits become your values. And your values become your destiny. I don't want you to get to the end of your life, the destination of your life, not only the end of your life when you're sitting there and people are surrounding you and you're about ready to breathe your last, but when you get to the destiny of your life, which is the ever after, the afterlife, and you stand before God someday and you're like, oops, 
We're up here this morning because we don't want you to get to the end of your life standing before God and saying, oops, I didn't know that, or I didn't know that I had to do something about that. We want to be people of action. We said in the first week, therefore, prepare your minds for action. It can't stay in our minds. We prepare our thoughts for action, and we want to be self-controlled. You didn't think the church got here just because they had a lot of good thoughts and good ideas and good intentions. The beginning of the New Testament is Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, action. There's a book of the Bible called Action. And it started with Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and that was mostly the action of Jesus. And then Jesus like, if I don't get out of here, you're going to just keep me watching, doing everything. I'm leaving because I want a book of the Bible written called the Acts of the Apostles. We didn't get here because they went to three services. The church did not grow because they had more services and prayed really cool prayers and sang really cool songs and have more offerings for the children and Bible studies and and church, you know, uh, activity and programs. They grew and were here because people acted on what they believed. They weren't just spiritual, things were actual. They weren't just teachable, it was actionable. They weren't just baptized, they were actualized. Not just motivated, they were activated. And it was said of them in Acts 17, 6, these men have turned the world upside down. That's what I want to do. And I'm 48 years old and I've been in ministry 26 years. That's what we're here for in this church. If you ever wonder, why do you keep doing what you're doing? It's because we want to turn the world right side up. I mean, I think the world's already upside down. But what they were saying is we think it's right side up and these guys are turning it upside down. And I think if they could have spoken back to a world that was actually in a derogatory way saying you're turning the world upside down, they're like, no, 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 we've met Jesus. We're trying to turn the world right side up. Right now it's inside out. We're trying to turn it outside in again. And we want to be a church that people save us. Man, that place, they're turning this community upside down. I mean, what was it when you first came here? There was a statement that, was it Shelly Otten made that you thought was powerful when you first came to our church? Yeah, um, it's about 10 to 12 years ago. Shelly was the principal at Cherry Creek Elementary School before, yeah, some couple people remember Shelly. Um, and uh, just was an incredible leader in our community. And I remember her saying, and we had just moved to Lowell, so we had just moved uh, to Impact, so we really weren't a part of creating the culture, but we were becoming a part of that cu- the culture. And she said, if you want to get something done in this community, you talk to Impact. And I was like, that is, that is such a powerful testimony from someone. She doesn't attend here. Um, But she was making that statement about our church body, about action, about doing. So Ryan, this last week when we got together, came up with a verse that had been on his heart from Hebrews 10. And we decided this would be our anchor point today. If you have your Bibles, you can open to Hebrews 10. I notice most of you don't have your Bibles because you think, one day I just want to not put it up on the screen and be like, you're screwed. Sorry. (laughs) 
sucks to be you. And then just make up a Bible passage and see if anyone would know. You I know, think, that, would be, that would be really mean, wouldn't it? It's like Proverbs 32. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? we'll, just do, we'll do Acts 29. Yes. Right, right. <laughs> I, don't, I think it would very I, quickly compel many of you to download the Bible app yeah, on your yeah, phone. Exactly. Yeah, like, or either right. that or leave our church. So one of the two right. would happen. So, yeah. This is why John is on our staff. Like, no, if we do that, they'll leave our church. So that's the, in the holy trinity of the staff up here, he's the oh, one no. that is... Uh, no, no, no. Yeah, uh, that was sacrilegious. Okay, we're going we're gonna to just read Hebrews 10. This is written to a community of believers that were going through persecution. And they weren't banding together because their pastor gave a, you know, dream message on the vision for the church. Is that the fire alarm? I think it was something about the pastor's dream vision of the okay. church. Um, sometimes I do that because I'm nuts and I don't know if anyone else heard what I just heard. But did everyone hear that? Okay, good, good. We're Thanks, all, Tim Oldfield. I'm looking at you just for reasonability and rationality. Here, so. Yeah, here we go. Hebrews 10. You'll notice that these verses aren't I or me. It's our. It's we. It's us. We ain't gonna become people of action in isolation. We're in, we become people of action because accountability. Let us consider how we may spur one another on to love and good acts or deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing in the state of Michigan during the summer, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. These people were motivated by the day, capital D, approaching. And if you read commentaries, it could mean three things. Your last day on earth. Your expiration date. It could be the end of the world, as in apocalyptically Jesus is coming back. Or the day could be when you stand before God at the judgment seat of Christ and it's approaching. Are you ready for that day? That motivated them to live a certain way. That naturally, because of depravity, they would not have lived that way. Starting with the end in mind, I uh, was listening to a podcast. Anybody like to listen to podcasts like all the time? I was listening to one and Elon Musk was speaking, and he said this, the optimization of Twitter 2.0 is maximize the unregretted user time. Means when people get done, they don't regret that they just hung out there. And I think we're all users of the most precious commodity called time. And is it gonna be unregretted user time when you get to the end of life and the day approaches? Uh, this was something our staff did uh, last year that was pretty powerful in here on a mission. Ryan, you want to maybe speak toward that? Because it was kind of a morbid thing, but it was really compelling. Yeah, just when you look even at what leaders in our world on a global scale are recognizing, you know, this idea of unregretted user time, um, usually where technology is concerned there is a whole lot of regretted user time, right? And uh, it just struck me as we were talking about that this week, 
there's an app that I've been seeing because I've been thinking about this, and there's an AI running algorithms on everything you're thinking about on your phone, right? I've been seeing this ad for this app called Opal. And so I looked into it, I started reading and, um, and kind of understanding and discovering what it offers. And it's supposedly more sophisticated than your screen time feature that's on your phone. And what it will do is it will read about two or three weeks of your phone usage and then it will give you a very accurate description of how much of your life you're gonna spend on your phone. And for most people, it's between 15 and 25 years of your life that you will spend staring at your screen. And that's sobering. Um, I think when you take that into account, you go back, last year we went through this book called Hero on a Mission that Jay was referencing. And the main theme that Donald Miller puts together is that our, our ability to form and shape meaning, that we would live meaningful lives very often. In fact, I, I, would, I would contend all the time, comes from the ability to go all the way to the end, just as it tells us in this passage in Hebrew 10. All the more as you see the day approaching, either the, your expiration date or Jesus comes back. When you go to that moment, and you then work backward from that moment has a profound effect on what you will do with your daily moment by moment life. So our staff got together and we worked through this book together. And, and parts of the book are just a, a workbook to actually get you to be able to write your eulogy or the final words you want said over you after you are gone, your legacy. And so our team did this together. And guys, I got to tell you, we're sitting in a room after months of working through different parts, your three-year plan, your five-year plan, your 10-year plan, based on that end game. And we get in a room and we start reading our, our uh, eulogies to each other and hearing the emotion in that moment. I mean, I'm hearing Chas, our finance director, talk about what she wants her life to be made of, the meaning of her life. It's Did unnerving. it matter? It's oh, unnerving. yeah. And, and, and John and Jay and Ryder just reading through what, that's, what that moment needs to feel like. There's a profound effect on our daily decisions when we go all the way to the end and then come back to the moment that we're in. Yeah, and all of the, all of the people in the New Testament, all the writers did this. So if you look at Jesus' statements, Jesus talked about his time. You'll notice he did this all the time in the gospels. My time has not yet come. What does that mean? It means Jesus is looking forward to the time where he's crucified, buried, raised to life. He's thinking about the end as he's doing life. Paul did this all the time. Uh, James did this when he talks about your life is like a vapor. Um, in, in Revelation, they do this all the time, thinking about the end. Yeah in mind to give you clarity for the now. I did the math. <laughs> I told you guys this morning when you talked about that, what was it, Opal, yeah. the app? I did the math based on my screen time last night, last night after the service. <laughs> and and it's, uh, it's unbelievably sobering. Can you tell us what it is? No, I don't want to do that. <laughs> 
that's the kind of church we yeah, are. Yeah, I know, don't just I know, like, I know. Leave yeah, it out yeah, there. Yeah, 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 I know, I know. Uh, yeah, I, I did mine just from last week, and I was like, okay, I think it said about five hours a day last week on screen time, so then I did the math, and it's about 15 years of my life over the course of 75 years. And I, so this morning, I was like, yeah. I, I'm, not do, I'm not doing that. I'm putting my phone down, and I'm gonna spend time with my kids throwing the ball this morning before I came here to church, because I'm like, I'm not gonna lose time scrolling. Yep. yep. And I've done that with my parents passing away in the last couple of years. Um, if I pass away when my parents did, I have about 24 years left. So when God says, teach us to number our days, it's just, God, how many? And I don't know, I could die tomorrow, but I just am using that as a checkpoint. Like if, if I'm using that, like how does that change my activities and my actions and the boldness with which I live? Like, don't wait. Whatever you're wanting to do, don't wait. What are you waiting for? Do it. This is why we have to encourage each other, put courage into each other. You don't need courage to think thoughts. You don't need courage all the time to just have good ideas. You need courage to, to actually put things into action. It goes on and says in Hebrews 10, 24, the beginning, let us consider how we may spur one another on to love and good works. Before we even getting to spurring to love and good works, there's this consideration, which is a beautiful thing to consider, to think deeply about something. But I think a lot of us can get lost in consideration and overthinking and deliberation to our own demise. Uh, John just was sharing that a little bit, like how that affects him from loving good deeds and spurring people on, how consideration can kind of keep you in a place where it's like, I just don't do it. I just think about it a lot. Yeah, I'm a processor. And, um, and I'm, I can be pretty indecisive. <laughs> so I don't know if anyone else is out there like that today, but I can, I can be paralyzed. I'm Actually, not. Ryan is not. <laughs> You're not. I know that. <laughs> so, yeah. and I don't think you are a whole lot either. So maybe I'm, uh, maybe I'm the odd man out up here. So, but I. You're the rose between two thistles, John. <laughs> oh, thank you. I don't like how you said thank you. <laughs> I know. That was a little too much bromance going on up here. We are the bald bros, right? That's right. That's right. Yeah. Beautiful bald pates. And up I'm here. the haired bro. Up yeah. Here. That sounds weird. <laughs> Great. Okay, continue. Right, yeah. Carry on. So, consideration for me, um, I can get stuck in this place of consideration and then consideration of the consideration and then thinking about the thinking about the thinking until I think myself to death. And I think you actually have the quote here from John Acuff and it goes like this, the antidote to overthinking isn't more thinking, the antidote is action. You don't think your way out of overthinking, you act your way out of it. Uh, the author here in Hebrews says, let us consider how we can spur one another on toward love and good deeds, um, how we can consider. And there's two things for me that as we were talking about this, as we were doing Bible study together this week, I hope you're doing that. Yeah, yeah. I hope you're meeting together outside of here. In fact, the word here for let us meet together is outside of the synagogue, epi-synagogue. It's not at church, it's actually also outside of the church. Don't give up meeting outside of the synagogue as well as in the synagogue. And so 
we get together. And as we were talking about it, I was like, there's two things to me that get in the way of consideration moving to spurring someone on and toward good works. And they both have to do with fear. Um, I can get stuck in consideration of good works out of fear of failure. Because once I actually stand up and I move and I do something, now I could fail at it. If I just keep it in my head, no one ever knows about it and I can't fail anymore. The other one is spurring people on and that's fear of rejection. Because if I spur someone on, that's a painful process. That's a get up in someone's grill, that's meet with people that are the closest of comrades and best of friends to be vulnerable. And so fear, for me, fear of failure and fear of rejection keep me stuck in consideration and inept really to move to action. It says, let us consider how we may spur one another on to love and good deeds. And that's what we wanna be about. That's what it's on. Not just deeds without love, not just love without deeds. It's, he was full of grace and truth. We speak the truth in love from other passages of scripture. Um, you were sharing a podcast that had the phrase in it, love over or action over all. And uh, maybe just share about that podcast that just kind of went into action, how important it was. Yeah, actually, <clears throat> for those of you who are interested, it's called The Art of Manliness. And uh, ladies, that does not preclude you. I'm sorry about the title, but it is a really, really good uh, podcast to take advantage of. Brett McKay will interview experts from all over the world. This particular one, um, the guy on there wrote a book called The Anatomy of Breakthrough and How to Get Unstuck. Yeah. And what struck me about all of the work, I mean, he did immense amounts of research. He is one of the world's foremost experts on this idea of especially creatives and leaders getting stuck in whatever uh, their discipline is and not feeling like they're moving forward. So he builds this case, immense amounts of research, and he gets to the end. And the final chapter is action above all or action over all. And really, I, 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 the, the part that struck me as so pertinent to what we're talking about today is just this idea that what we do commonly in society, which is really easy for us to fall prey to, is expecting a feeling to proceed the action, right? So what we want is we want to feel brave. We, we, we want the, the fear to go away. We want the, uh, the idea that we might be rejected if we strive for something. We want that to go away. And then we want to act. And what he did is he turned that idea on itself. And he said, no, 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 no. What is true is that when we know the truth, then we act and the feeling follows the action. We've got to start something first. We actually have to begin to take motion. And once we're in motion, then the feeling begins to follow that. This is a critical reality for us as humans, particularly as we follow Jesus, because very often we do not feel like obeying Jesus. I mean, come on, church. How often? There are just days where the last thing I want to do in my feeling 
is follow Jesus. But when I command myself, when there is self-control and I actually begin to take action, the feeling follows. Bravery actually takes place where I was afraid or where I was concerned with the rejection I may feel that has me stuck in that place. So just really simply, when we're stuck and we are not... um, or, you know, even depression and anxiety and some of the things that plague us. Uh, one of the most profound things we can do to remind ourselves that we can do it is just begin to take a step and begin to put ourselves in motion. So action overall. Yeah, I, I love that the reason the church got together was to spur each other to act, actually act on their beliefs. Yeah. I don't, I don't think the problem with a lot of churches, although a lot of churches are sort of losing some what their moral compass and what the fundamentals of the faith are and their belief systems, don't get me wrong, but I think the problem with the church is we have perfect doctrine, we have great constitutions filled with all the right words and all the right you know, belief systems, but it's like we don't act on that. And I think one of the things that the unbelieving world finds simply unbelievable is the hypocrisy of people that believe the right things and live the wrong way. And so actions is really crippling. It's the black eye of the church. Like we know all these things, but you get in community. If you do not open yourself up to be spurred, which is to be cattle prodded, to be shocked into obedience, then what is the church? What are we doing? I, I can't tell you how many times over the last year I've just nudged into someone's life, I've opened up an observation in their life about who they are, and they come back to me and tell me no one's ever told me that before. And I'm telling you, it is glaringly obvious that this isn't just something I see, it's, it's really been chronic in their life, but no one's ever told them? And then they look at me and say, no one's ever told me, so you're the one that's wrong. And so they keep being that way. The church didn't do that in the early church. They're like, no, 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 that's not going to fly here, not in this community. We want to live the truth, and we want deeds and love to mesh together, and we're going to spur one another on to get to that end. I love that the church was always being encouraged into action. John, the disciple Jesus loved, said it this way, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. I want to be a church of action. If you want anything visionary from me today, what I drink, what I sleep, what I eat, what I obsess over is that our church will not just get bigger. It isn't even just to get more people into this building. It's to get more God in this building, number one. The presence of people is great. The presence of God changes everything. And it's not just getting a bunch of people in this building, it's getting these people out into the streets. There was a song we sang back when we were younger, let what we do in here fill the streets out there. Let us dance for you. Let us dance for you. So in the early church 2,000 years ago, let's not just love with words. Words are easy. Actions and truth. Paul actually wrote the Corinthians, and he said this, I'm going to come to you soon, if the Lord's willing, and then I'm going to find out not only how these arrogant people are talking, but by what power they have. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. That's authoritative. I don't want to be a church of talk. 
I want to be a church of power, and power happens with action. That's the powerful life. Goes on, it says, let's spur one another on to love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, somewhere in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. I just, that word, not giving up, is a big deal. We all know what we should be doing, and some of, some of us start out at something. It's easy for me to give up, whether it's fear of rejection, fear of failure, whatever it is, I can start strong and finish weak. Action takes people around you encouraging you. There are so many things that I just would not have done if these three amigos right here weren't in an office saying, huh, we're doing it. You can do it. I mean, what are some of the habits that like you would give up on if there weren't people around you spurring you on saying, do not give up? Yeah, one of them that came to my mind this week that's um, really humiliating or kind of embarrassing for me to admit as a pastor is reading God's word for myself. I get into God's word for other people. I get into God's word for other Bible studies. But do I get into God's word to hear a word for myself from God to me, um, from the Holy Spirit to my heart? And I, I just... I can get into a bad habit of, of forsaking that. Uh, one of them, as far as leadership's concerned, that these two challenge me with um, and that they encourage me on is, is confrontation and conflict and spurring other people on. I don't like conflict. I don't like confrontation. I've had you tell me multiple times and you tell me multiple times in the last several years, you know what, you're actually, you're good at that though. You consider people's heart um, you consider their feelings, you're very empathetic, and you, you actually are good at confrontation even though you don't love it. Well, I didn't know that. I wouldn't, I wouldn't even enter into it if it weren't for people challenging me to enter into it when I need to. What would be your habit to avoid, to hope it goes away, to hope someone else confronts them? Like what? For confrontation? Yeah, yeah I, I mean, it would, it, would be, um, it would be to avoid it. And to hope it just dissipates. Yeah. Yeah, what about you? Well, I just, I want to throw that one back at you. You had talked about, mm-hmm. when we were dialoguing earlier this week, just positivity and the idea. Talk a little bit about that, that positivity versus negativity and in community, the need for people to push yeah. that. I, uh, I think because I'm an artist at heart, um, I have a melancholy spirit. Like I can feel things so deeply and connect to so many things that are not going well. And I have transference issues is what they would say in counseling. Um, transference happens to me. And uh, if I'm not careful, um, like I can just not be positive. I can just tell you all the things wrong in the world, tell you everything wrong with myself, tell you everything wrong with my day. And there's something about leading um, and, and getting in an office with these guys. And it's like, bro, you can't be like that. I don't even need them to tell me that. I just know when I get around them, I can't sulk. I can't sit around and, and grovel in anything. I gotta like, I gotta be spurred on and they spur me on. Sometimes even if I say, man, this, 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 they can look at me and be like, bro, that's not what's happening. Like you, you need to see the good that's happening in your life. 
Like there are so many amazing things happening right now and I'm fixating on that negative problem. Like I just had my um, eval. It's very easy for this eval to be 98% just wonderful. I can absolutely curl up in the fetal position over the 2%. Does anybody, can I get a witness on how everybody is just like, holy cow, I love that I, you know, passed with shining, you know, colors there, but man, I cannot stop thinking of what I got to work on. My whole day is enough's never enough. I could do it better, faster, different, better, faster, different, more, better, faster, different, more, and I can, somebody needs to lift up my head. Look how good life is, Jay. Look at what a wonderful guy you are. Hey, we love you, man. You're really good at that, that sort of thing. Well, and for me, the, um, the, the part of this that I, I, I kind of flipped it around a little bit, and I thought, what are the things that, that you need to give up? Right, so the, the passage says to spur on and not to give up. But as we talk about the habitats of our lives, the environments of our lives. I think that is critical to creating environment and community that will spur you on. And I thought to myself, what are the things in my environment, in my atmosphere that I actually need to give up? Habits I need to get rid of and give up. And it just struck me, um, this idea of elimination or removal, as, I, as we were talking, dialoguing on this. If I don't want to eat four. 100 M&Ms before I go to bed right at nine o'clock and let that sit in my system. You know what I should probably eliminate from my kitchen? 400 packages of M&Ms, right? I should probably so not good. have those so around good. me in the atmosphere and the environment that I'm in. And, and uh, the idea of uh, Instagram just struck me. The, the number of you and me Okay, vulnerably, I want to share this, that, that sit on the gram. You're, you're literally on the gram, like an IV drip, and you're on it, and, you, and you're, you're just scrolling through the gram, right? And these are the words that are, these are the ideas that are going through your mind. It's, my life sucks. Look at her life. Wow, look at her waistline. I wish my waistline looked at that. Wow, look at, the, look at the circumference on his biceps. What do I got to do to get my biceps to look like? I hate my life. You know, I hate those people. Do you happen to be talking about me? Oh, yeah. When I look at Jay's Instagram, I'm so jealous. Envy corrupts me. And so what you need to do as a person that's part of a habitat, creating habits that make up your habitat, is you got to get off the gram. Church, some of you this morning, your action step needs to be walk out of here and get rid of Instagram. I'm, I'm telling you. Yeah, John and I both got off TikTok. When was that? Was I was nine months ago. Mine was about a year ago. About a year ago. Mm -hmm. yeah. Instagram was before that. And um, for, for reasons of accountability, for reasons of uh, too much, uh, I would say um, invulnerability, a couple of things for me. Uh, number one, purity. So I just was recognizing things that were coming up on my feed that were tempting, um, sexually explicit, all kinds of explicit, and um, or not even explicit, but just just uh, somewhat uh, tempting. So I got rid of those. Plus, just a matter of time. And you should know about us up here too. I mean, uh, these two guys are are two 
uh, of my closest comrades, two of my closest friends that help keep me accountable to this type of living. Let us consider how we can not give up meeting together, but keep spurring one another on. And they know these things about my heart. They know places where I'm tempted. They know places where I'm seeking uh, to give up one habit to take on a new habit. And, and that's hard because that takes spurring. That takes prodding of each other. Um, and that's vulnerable. And no one likes being prodded. But when you, prod, when you get prodded to move into something that's really difficult and really hard, you look back, don't you look back and you're like, I'm so thankful for that. I'm so grateful someone said that to me. 10 years ago, I'm so thankful that I started that habit and I wouldn't have done it without them. I wouldn't have done it without you or you or you. Well, and in the same vein, and I'll just say this, I mean, the, the passage that says flee temptation, flee temptation, that's active. That is a very strong action verb. Flee it, get rid of it. For me, and I get weird stares when I share this with people. Like, this is just not an adult thing. It's embarrassing. I don't have a web browser on my phone. I, I don't have a web browser. And it's for all the things John shared. And it's also just because I can waste massive amounts of time just browsing, right? Not doing anything productive, not focused on the end, as all the more as we see the day approaching. So... I think it's, it's both. What do we need spurred on to do? And what do we need to be thinking about giving up to make space for the good things that God wants to be part of our life, a meaningful life? Yeah, spur one another on, encourage one another in this passage. Uh, a thought came to my mind when I was a little kid, and I don't know how many of you went to the public pool. And do you remember the first time you jumped off a high dive? Okay, so all the kids are on the high dive. I'm probably eight years old. And you climb this ladder and you get to the top and you are so hopeful because you've seen people doing it and it doesn't really look that, that big of a deal. But you get to the top of the high dive. Do you remember that feeling looking down and thinking, I'm gonna die? And you get up there, but there's a problem because there's a bunch of your friends that are lined up on the ladder um, no, yeah. go. What? What? Oh, yeah. So, yeah. And I'm like, can you get down? Do you remember the kids that you thought, what a nerd, you know? And they're climbing down and everybody has to get out of the way. And, and part get of out. you is like, get out. Come on. Can you go down? No, you can do it. And finally you go and you jump off the high dive and you would not have done it if there weren't a bunch of little kids like, you can do it. No, I don't want to climb back down. You're an idiot. So all that positive peer pressure makes you jump off the diving board. I am not kidding you. This guy right here, and we were going to build the building. We went out with this finance guy and this campaign guy, and he told me what I had to do as the lead pastor to run a campaign. I put the pain in campaign, right? And he was telling me all the pain of a campaign, and here's what you're going to have to do. And I'm like, that's not why I became a pastor. I can't do that. And I've got kids, and they're old, and I want to spend time with them, and I don't want blah, blah, blah. And we came out, and in between Starbucks with that guy in the car, I said to Ryan, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. And do you remember what you said to me? Yeah, I do. I'm, it was a, a marked moment for both of us. I just said, I don't want to do it either, but we need to. And so we did it. 
If I'm alone, I go to the car, I say I don't want to do it, so I'm not going to do it. That's how that works. Because I have somebody next to me, it's like, I don't want to do it either, but we got to do it. And you do it. That is what this passage is all about. Because I can tell you, most of the things you need to do, you don't want to do. And most of the things that you want to do, you don't need to do. It goes on and says, don't give up meeting together. Some are in the habit of doing. It's all this habit of doing, but encourage one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. What is your action plan? If you don't have an action plan, you don't have a plan. You have an idea. Got to have an action plan in your life. I want to just end with um, a time to kind of cover something that's become meaningful for me. Six years ago, I took a sabbatical, and I am telling you, it completely revolutionized my life. I do not know if I'd still be the pastor of this church if I did not take that sabbatical. That three months, there were so many actions in my life that were so unhealthy, I'd forgotten who I was. I'd forgotten the little boy inside of me, what made me tick. I was completely consumed with life, and I had no altitude to see the forest for the trees. John took one last year and uh, just changed his life. Because we want to be here the long haul, whether you want us to be here or not. Um, We're going to be here for the long haul. We love Lowell. We love this place. Um, And so we're we're trying to stick around here for the long haul. And and if you want me here, but you don't want John here, I'm open to that. You can email me this week about wow. that. Right. Wow, wow, wow. But okay. we've, got, we've got something pretty powerful, and that is Ryan this summer is going on his sabbatical. And this, I am so pumped about this because I, I don't know this for a fact um, because we all needed it in our own ways, but I don't know if anyone of the three of us need it more and if it's more perfect timing than it is for this guy who for the last uh, 11 years since he's been on staff here has been an ox that we have put a yoke on and he has pulled so hard and turned so much ground and he has worked so hard. He is worthy of double honor. Brother, you have poured it out. As Paul said, I poured myself out as a drink offering. You have poured yourself out. You are so deserving of this, you and your family. I cannot wait for you to experience this. But we, the three of us, talked about the power of action in our life, and some of the things that happened in our sabbatical need to happen just out of our Sabbath. These are the things we want to be and do better. We want to read our Bible and we want to pray. We don't want to just be pastors that like, oh, we forgot doing that somewhere along the way. We want to start neighboring people, being in our community and serving our community, not getting monopolized by ministry in the church. We want to be about evangelizing, tell people about Jesus and discipling people, not like, well, we were in ministry. We didn't have time for that. We've gotten coaching in our life. I have a coach. We've gone to counseling with our wives and our families because we want to be the best we can be. We want to know what work is and what good, honest labor is, and we want our worth to not come from our work. We want our identity to be in Christ. We want to have intimacy with our family and friendships 
and not get spun out there. We want to diet and exercise. Health has to matter to us for the sake of ourselves and everyone we love. We want to engage in real pleasure and meaningful play in our life, and we want to understand Sabbath. We want to understand sleep and rest, because Jesus said, you can know a lot of stuff. He says in John 13, 17, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. And so we want to do these things. So maybe, Ryan, just share a little bit coming into the sabbatical here. He's there, here this week. He'll be here next week, and then he's heading out. Just what does that mean to you? What is your heart's desire for the next few months you're going to be gone? Yeah. Uh, for me, I, I just, in full honesty, uh, it feels a little bit like the diving, the high dive analogy, um, where you did yours six years ago, John, you did yours. <laughs> yeah last year and that's been really necessary for me because and 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 i won't get into all the reasons my my life uh family of origin work what work was for me growing up um and 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 how work was my worth that what i could do what ground i could pull what what accomplishments and achievements i could put up on the board uh, for decades of my life, that's what defined me. And that has followed me right into pastoring. So to, to sort of give some handholds and footholds to that, what it looks like is, in an unhealthy way, what it looks like is I can go home at the end of a day, and if I counseled some of you, and in that counseling session, things didn't go very well, and you're leaving, and I've got a really strong sense that you are not going to put into practice a single thing that I advised you would be helpful in your life, then my worth is attached to how you actually respond to the direction and the guidance I gave you. Uh, In the context of preaching, for us who preach, the, the three of us, when we get up here, if if this goes really, really well, and you tell me it went really, really well, and you're going to leave, and you're actually going to experience life transformation because of the word of God through my gift, then I feel worth and I feel value. But if I don't see the level of trans- uh, transformation that I, that I put up as my marks, then my worth mm-hmm. is in the tank. And that week can go very poorly. And what it is, is there's an identity, there's a false identity that is attached to me at the level of work. And there is something about first Sabbath, church, just Sabbath. If I could have you leave today and get serious about obeying God in taking one day a week and ceasing your regular rhythms and your regular work and actually giving that time to God and truly sincerely trusting him with that time to spend time with him, that would be revolutionary to your life in the cult of busyness that is our culture. Can I get an amen to that? We spend so much of our existence believing that unless it's finished, we can't rest, that unless it's finished, we can't trust God with it. And honestly, the the reality is it's never finished. 
It's never done. And so even going into sabbatical, one of the things I've learned in the Library of Congress that's out there for teaching on sabbaticals, sabbatical means extended Sabbath. It, it liter- the word literally comes from the etymology of Sabbath. And so I need to go and I need to do this. And I need to really allow God to do some work as it pertains to work and worth or the identity that comes from work. Another part of it is, and this is throughout all of scripture, Sabbath is a gift. It is a gift from God to us. He calls it that. He tells us to receive it that way. And it's got to be one of the one of the gifts we receive the absolute worst. I mean, quite frankly, we poop on it all the time. And I, I have struggled, again, from my family of origin to receive gifts well. It's, it's a psychosis of mine. It's affected my own family. Um, something about getting a gift and feeling like I deserve that gift um, has been for years a, a deep and painful place in my soul that I need to uh, work on with the Lord. In fact, in the last six months of preparation, that alone has been really powerful. Not even going on the, the sabbatical, but working through. This is, a, this is an enormous, extravagant gift that you as a church are giving me, and I see it that way, and I want to receive it well. That our board is giving me, that these guys and our staff, as they fill in the places that I do so I can go and experience this, that's an amazing gift, and I want to receive it well from you, from them, and from the Lord. So that's just a, that's a big deal um, as well, that, that as I move into this, I'm, I'm learning and I'm growing, and it's already teaching me. And then finally, renewal. Uh, One of the things that scripture is really clear on is that renewal comes out of rest and comes out of ceasing and pausing and and health and vigor for the future. And I think something that sometimes can crowd into our minds when we think of sabbaticals, this idea that... um, that there's some sort of emergency or I'm in crisis and I'm about ready to come apart at the seams and I'm going to I'm going to die if I don't take a sabbatical and while I think unfortunately that can be the the reality in some churches that is not the reality in our church or the reason that we do sabbatical the reason we do sabbatical is the biblical idea of letting the land lie fallow in agricultural communities, letting it lie fallow uh, every seven years. And that means that the land literally lies in a state of uncultivated and unproductive every seven years. The reason for that is that when ground does that, it actually makes it significantly more productive and fruitful for the next seven years. That is an undergirding philosophy for why we take sabbatical, why our team, our department heads will be taking sabbatical, because we want to be fruitful and productive and active and powerful and all the things that we've talked about here this morning. So Mm -hmm. renewal is a third and critical component of why we do this, refreshing and being ready for the next decade of ministry. You're a good man, period. I mean, one of the best. One of the best. One of the best. Is this guy not one of the best guys?
you've ever met. I mean, only second to this guy. The, the I, rose, the rose between. I, two I truly am, and I, I, I truly am, just the envy of so many churches in our area. They're like, where did you get these guys? And uh, this guy was in my youth group, and this guy was in my accountability group. And they came on and they love you. I watched them behind the curtain in the shadows. They love you. They love our community. And I know we grew up in a Baptist background where we don't deserve anything but hell. And the hottest hell you can imagine. Exactly. Right. So that word deserve is a little bit like, eh, in uh, Baptist circles. But you are worthy of double honor, buddy. And I cannot wait for this for you because I know, I know when you come back, um, what is needed of you from your family, from your marriage in these next teen years that they go into. I specifically think about your family. We want your family to thrive. Last night they were here and they came up here and we got to pray over his wife and his kids. It was just awesome. But we love you with all of our heart and soul. And uh, even though uh, Ryan's gone, he never leaves. He never is he gone He's gonna be uh, back here. He will always... Um, <laughs> He'll He's always just gonna be, be peeking out in meetings. He's just, just gonna be. Thank you, Ben, our ben. middle school student. That ben, was Ben. Ben, can you insist ben, can, in my absence that that gets posted right back that's here? That's exactly right, Ben. I don't want to. I don't want to be forgotten. There we go. Actually, leave it to student ministry as we're all serious about how wonderful this is. Uh, our, okay. Yeah, oh, our, okay. our student ministry uh, middle school pastor was like, can I do this? You know, I was like, okay, yeah, next you can time, do that Next as well. time we teach, we're just going to have Ryan's fat head up here. And I'm going to be yeah. like, I'm gonna be like, what yeah. do you think, Ryan? Ben, can you yeah, please right. get out of here? And, uh, please, can you leave? Uh, <laughs> anyway, we, uh, we want to pray over yeah. this guy, John. Uh, I'd love for you to pray over him. If you could yeah. just extend your hand mm -hmm. out toward uh, Ryan yeah. and participate in this as we uh, pray for his heart and his family. Yeah. God, today as a community of believers, we just uh, surround one of our loyal yoke fellows, um, one of the servants and shepherds of our body. And just as Jay said, he is deserving of double honor. And we have extended our hands uh, today, uh, collectively as a community, to pray a prayer of blessing over Ryan and Heather Garrett, Savannah, Grace, and Bryn. God, as they, as they spend time together, as they replenish, as they respite, um, as he digs deep into his heart and, and begins some habits of undoing, would you redo and replenish? Um, would you reconstruct in his heart identity, places of identity that have just long uh, needed rooted out? Would you do that work through this time of Sabbath? God, would you do that work in our church? That as we think about the habit of work, the habit of actions, the habit of doing, that we would first find the habit of resting in who you are, trusting that you can do more with our six days than we can do with our seven days. Trusting you, God, trusting you when we stop. And God, we just pray that for Ryan. We pray that their time uh, overseas together on these solo trips that Ryan has planned, on these all of these things that he's gonna be reading and doing and not doing, I pray your blessing over him, God. He, 
um, is one of my dearest friends. Yes. And um, I think about Paul writing, writing to churches and he writes about his dear friends and this guy is a dear friend. Yes. Um, and I'm so thankful for him. And so I just, I'm gonna miss him. Yes. Um, but I'm so grateful for the time that he gets the blessing, uh, the beauty of this time of Sabbath, of extended Sabbath. So God, we just pray your richest blessing over him. We love him and we send him out. We commission him um, with love and with excitement. Uh, and we pray all of this in the precious name of Jesus and our whole church said together, amen, amen. Amen, amen. Can you give it up for this guy? Awesome. Hey, you're dismissed. Thanks for coming today.